0: Jesus is the most significant leader in human history. In just three years, he started a movement that became a church, which we're all part of. And this movement continues to grow and to flourish with more than 2 billion followers around the world today. In this series, I want to ask the question, how did Jesus do that? How did Jesus take 12 fishermen and tax collectors and a few women followers? How did he take this ragtag crew from, and form something that's bigger than McDonald's, that's bigger than Walmart, that's bigger than Amazon, that's bigger than Google. I mean, these companies, they started with the best of the best. They grew by attracting the best and the brightest people to their companies. Jesus started with somebody that would betray him. Jesus started with a couple of brothers who argued all the time. Jesus started with somebody who ended up betraying him and den- or denying him Three times that he had ever met Jesus, Jesus started with a woman who had been in prostitution and was still looked at as somebody who people shouldn't be spending their time with. These were his disciples. These were his followers. This was his crew. And yet he turned that into a movement that shaped the history of the world. And in this series, I want to look at how did Jesus do it. How did Jesus do this? Because for us as Jesus followers, I think that within each of us is we want to follow Jesus and we want to help build his church and we want to see people come into a relationship with God. We want to see God break through into situations that we're facing, that our families are facing. But what happens is we make things more complicated than they need to be. We make things more complex than they need to be. But really for Jesus, it was pretty simple. Jesus taught his disciples six principles, and every person who has followed these six principles has made an impact for God in the world around them, and every church that has grabbed hold of these six principles has become a flourishing church and a thriving church. These principles are so simple, but as I said, we tend to make things really complex sometimes, and in this series, I'm gonna cover three of these principles And then after our Christmas series, we'll talk about the second three principles. These first three principles are about the shape of Jesus' life. We make following Jesus far too complex, but it's really very simple. Following Jesus is just about imitating his life and doing what he did. And if we look at Jesus' life, it looks something like this. Jesus had three dimensions to his life, there was an upward dimension where Jesus spent time with the Father in prayer. And there was an inward dimension where Jesus spent time investing in people. And there was an outward dimension where Jesus understood his purpose and his life was directed by his purpose. Today I want to talk about prayer. The first and most important element of Jesus' life as a leader was prayer. And we've maybe heard that before, but today I'm going to challenge you to think about what that means to pray as a leader. I remember a time when I was 19 years old, I was traveling with my Bible college choir. We were traveling through Alberta into the smaller towns and the big cities in Alberta. And uh, one of the towns we came to was the town of Linden, Alberta, somewhere in central Alberta. Anybody know of Linden? You've heard that name before? There's this, that was the town where my grandparents lived. So our choir performed at my grandparents' church, the Linden Mennonite Brethren Church, and it's still going strong, I think. And I got to stay overnight at my grandparents' house, and this meant that we would have a late supper of fresh buns and meat and cheese, and that for breakfast we would have salty oatmeal, because my grandmother was losing her sense of taste, and so she always put too much salt in the oatmeal. It always ended up really salty. No cornflakes, no Apple Jacks, no Shreddies, no Cinnamon Checks, whatever your favorite cereal is, it was not in my grandparents' house. It was salty oatmeal and biscuits and more cheese for breakfast. My grandparents lived a really simple life, a really minimalist life, nothing complicated about their life, nothing complicated about their food. And I'll never forget this night as long as I live, because it was the first and only time that I've ever been alone with my grandparents. Uh, I came from a big family, there was 11 children, and uh, my mom and dad were always around when grandma and grandpa were around, and then my aunts and uncles and all their kids, and so I never spent much time alone with them, but every visit, grandpa would come and find each of us, one at a time, he'd quietly hand us a little bit of money, right, he'd slip us a little cash, one at a time, and he'd make it seem like you were the only one he was giving cash to. He'd be like, don't tell anybody, you know, just, you know, just take this and use this. But uh, we would all talk later, how much did you get, you know? Oh, there must be a bump up when you hit a certain age, right? You know, Um, and he'd say, this is for you. I love you. But this night I was alone with my grandparents in their house for the first time in my life. Before we ate the meal, grandpa prayed and he prayed just for me. Grandpa was the leader of our family. He was the spiritual head of our family. He was a man of prayer. And I'm convinced that my grandfather let me see a window into his prayer life. And as he prayed for me, he began to weep. He was praying in German. I could understand German, but I couldn't speak the language. And he just poured out his heart before God and prayed for me. He prayed for my future. He prayed for my success. He prayed for some of the hurts that my family was going through. At that time and he just let it all out and he prayed and looking back I believe that part of what he was doing was showing me this is how it works this is what it means to be a leader this is where whatever you do in your family in your work in your future being a leader means you're a person who is familiar with God at the deepest level possible where you just pour out your heart and you talk to God and people around you, can they, they can just tell that you spend regular time with God in prayer. My grandpa was showing me that night how to be a leader. When I look around at the world and the state of the church, one of the things that I see is we've lost two things. First, we've lost the sense that we're called to leadership. Every single one of you in this room is called to leadership. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a leader. You might not be an upfront leader, you might not feel like you're the best leader in the room, but every single one of you is a leader. We have lost that sense of calling. You are a leader in business. If you own a company, if you're a manager at some level, then you're a leader. If you have a family, if you have a spouse, then you're a leader. You're called to lead and to influence the life of your spouse and your children. Even if you have no family, you're called to be a leader amongst your peers and amongst your friends. And most importantly, all of us are called to lead ourselves. We're all leaders. So you can be a self-leader, you can be a parent leader, you can be a co-leader, you can be a business leader, a management leader, someone who's leading up in your organization because you know that if you work for somebody, often you have to lead up and tell them, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to take care of this. We're all leaders at some level. And I wonder if we've somehow lost our sense of calling as leaders. And along with that, because we don't think of ourselves as leaders, consequently, we don't pray like leaders. We've become passive about prayer. And I wonder if, as Christians and as Christians who are all leaders, I wonder if we have become passive about prayer overall in our culture where we're, we're you know not saying that there's not people who are passionate about prayer but I wonder if we have stopped praying as leaders and continued to pray out of selfishness out of our own desires out of our own needs for the needs that mean the most to us in the moment I would love to see Christians regain the value of prayer as an act of leadership We're all leaders and we all need to pray. Leaders are not passive about something as important as prayer. When it comes to something like prayer, leaders take action. They seize the moment and they pray. And that's what my grandfather was modeling for me, but he got it from Jesus. He learned it from Jesus because everything Jesus did was founded on prayer. Everything that he did in prayer was integrated with his purpose and his calling Jesus knew he had a purpose. Jesus knew he had a calling. He had three years to take this ragtag crew and turn them into world changers. He had three years to heal the sick and help the poor and establish the teachings and the principles that his disciples would follow for the next 2,000 years. So Jesus was incredibly tuned into his purpose, and that meant he prayed like a leader. At his baptism, Jesus prayed. People don't pray at their baptism. Other people usually pray for you and bless you, but Jesus prayed at his baptism. And as he was praying, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this this is my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. This was the launching of Jesus' ministry. This was the beginning of Jesus' journey that would ultimately lead him to the cross. This was the start. Jesus launched his ministry with prayer, and as he prayed... We have this Trinitarian moment where the Father is speaking from heaven, and the Son is praying at the Jordan River, and the Holy Spirit is coming down upon the Son, and we see all of these aspects of the Trinity at work. They're separate, but they're together. They're one God. And Jesus launched his ministry with prayer. He was thinking like a leader. He was thinking, I'm called to lead I have this purpose, I have this calling, I'm gonna model for people who come after me that if you're going to follow me, then everything begins and ends with prayer. Before Jesus launched his ministry, he prayed, and then after he is baptized, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus goes into the wilderness where, if you know the story, he's tempted by the devil. So Jesus goes, from praying at his baptism to a different kind of prayer. It's called spiritual warfare. He goes into a mode of prayer where he recognizes that the game is on, that when you follow God, when you're tuned into God's purpose in your life, and particularly if you're Jesus, and you're on the road to dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world, there's gonna be spiritual opposition to your prayers, to your purpose. And if your purpose is from God, there's gonna be spiritual opposition I don't know if you've ever wondered why it's so hard when you take a step towards God and something seems to frustrate you and, and, and make life hard for you and you just say sometimes I just want to give up, I'm just going to stop doing this thing. It's hard because you stepped into your purpose, you stepped into your calling, you chose to follow God. You were baptized, you repented of something, you made a decision to turn back to God, you made a decision to lean more into God, you stepped out at work and started talking to a co-worker about Jesus and sharing your faith, and every time you step out into your God-ordained purpose, you will face spiritual opposition. And that's exactly what happens to Jesus. Jesus gets baptized, he's filled with the Spirit, he has launched on his way to the cross, he goes off to pray, and the devil meets him, and he is tempted for 40 days, and 40 nights and what Jesus is doing here is he's engaging in spiritual warfare for you and for me because if the devil is successful in tempting Jesus then it is game over it's all over the devil has won in his battle uh, in his battle with God so Jesus is battling in prayer as a leader for himself and for us Jesus made a habit of extended times in prayer over the course of his life we see this All the time in the Gospels, Jesus made a habit of getting away in prayer. Luke tells us that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. This is Jesus' habit. And we almost get the sense that Jesus got away to pray every single morning, early in the morning, but we also see that Jesus went away for extended times of prayer. And I want to know, do we do this? Have we lost this aspect of following Jesus We we maybe pray on our way to work, we listen to scripture, we read scripture, we pray through our prayer list, but when was the last time you carved out a day or a half a day just to pray? Have you ever done that? You ever had a a prayer retreat? Not gone on a retreat with other people, but you just got away by yourself and just prayed. If you have small children right now, you're probably saying, man, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to get away for a prayer retreat Um, just to pray, just to be quiet. But what happens is we get away and we get away to shop and we get away to Calgary and we go away to a movie or we get out for dinner. And all those are fine, no problem with any of those things, but we need to incorporate prayer into our routine that once a year or twice a year or every quarter, we get away not to shop, not to go to a movie, not for dinner, but we get a way to be with Jesus. We get a way to pray and call out to God and just quiet our hearts and let God lead us. Every once in a while, I will sense within me a desire to pray and the need to pray more than I normally do, and I'll do that. I'll carve out time, I'll take out a morning out of my week and just pray. And you say, well, you know, that's easy for you. Because it's your job to pray, right? I mean, you only work on Sundays, right? <laughs> so you should be able to carve out a morning to pray. But here's what I started doing about 15 years ago when I feel that urge to spend more time in God, with God in prayer. I do it on my day off. Because I realized that I could not stand up in front of people and talk about prayer if my prayer life happened during my work time. Because I would have an advantage that you don't have. So I pray before I go to work, and when I feel the urgency to get away and pray, I always do it on Friday mornings, my day off. And my wife is working that morning, so I have the house to myself, and I just quiet my heart, and I tune in to God, and let God speak to my heart, and let God feed me, and let God lead me. When our kids were younger, I used to get away later in the evenings after the kids were in bed, and I'd say to Angela, I need to go out and pray. And from about eight till midnight, I would sit in my van and just read scripture and pray. So you can do this. I don't do it as part of my working hours. Believe it or not, you can do this. I have lots of other things to do, by the way, in my working hours, believe it or not. I just don't work on Sundays, but you can do this too. If you feel your heart being pulled toward prayer, I urge you from one leader to another, get away and let God speak to you. If you've never done this before, about 10 years ago, I wrote a prayer journal guide for people who wanted to get away on prayer retreats. We have copies of this in the prayer room and the first service took most of them. So, uh, But we, we do have some physical copies left and we have a digital version that we can email to you if you want to take a prayer retreat and just get away and let God speak to you. And if you're not sure how to do it, just go and ask for, email us, ask for one of these guides, go in after the service, see if you can get one of the physical copies that's left and just get away and let God speak to you. And it shows you how to quiet your heart before God and how to lean into what the spirit might be saying to you in this moment. And If you haven't done this before, it can be useful to have a guide like this to help walk you through it. So book a day, book a time. You can come in and use the prayer room here when the building is open. You can find another place and make the time to pray. When Jesus did that, God led him. And when you do it, God will lead you. If there's something that you're going through that you just can't get through, take a few hours and pray it through and let God lead you. When Jesus did this, the Father led him through his prayer life. One time, there was a revival that had broken out in a town Jesus was in, and people were getting healed, and people were joining the kingdom, and God was doing great things, and everyone was excited, and God pulled at Jesus' heart. The Father pulled at Jesus' heart, and he got away from this revival, and he quieted his heart, and he prayed. And Luke says, early in the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowds searched for him everywhere, and When they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them, but he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom in other towns too because that's why I was sent. God will do this. As Jesus is talking with the Father, the Father leads him to go in a different direction and God will do this to you. Jesus held all night prayer sessions before making major decisions. Do you do this in your business, in your leadership with your family, in your working world? Do you pause and take time and just really lean into prayer and make sure that the decision you're planning to make is the right decision? Maybe it's about hiring that employee. Uh, You know, so many times we go with our gut and go with our head and go with our process, but often I believe what's missing from our leadership in business and in our workplace and in our homes is taking time to pray and ask the Lord and, and you don't have to do that in a public way. Most offices that we work in are not like places of prayer, right? So uh, you don't get up and say, you know, I just feel we need to pray about this decision right now. You know, you don't need to do that. But as you pray on your own, let the Lord lead you. And if it doesn't feel right, no matter what makes, how, how it makes sense on paper, don't do it. Pull the plug or speak up and say, this doesn't feel right. To me, this doesn't feel like the right way to go. Let God confirm the major decisions of your life and of your family's life. Jesus prayed all night at daybreak. He called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Have you ever prayed all night before? Maybe sometimes when the decision is important enough, you need to do that. You need to pull an all nighter and let God lead you and let God speak to you. I've done this before. It's actually kind of interesting, after a night of prayer, I have more energy, I have more drive, I have more ambition the next day, that it makes sense that a person should have. But there's something about saying, God, I'm going to give up something that I value, a good night's sleep, and something that's important to me because I need you to know that this issue is important, and I want to hear your voice, and I want to talk to you about this because this decision matters and it's your company, God. It's your career, God. It's not mine. I'm just a steward of your business. I'm just a steward managing these, this place. I'm just a steward managing your career. Jesus expanded his prayer base by teaching others to pray. He takes Peter, James, and John up to a mountain for an extended time of prayer. He teaches his disciples to pray. Jesus Spent time modeling prayer and teaching prayer. Jesus teaches the importance of persevering in prayer. Jesus' message about prayer is constantly, don't give up, don't stop, keep praying. Even if you don't see results in a week or a month or a year, if it's important to God's mission for you, if it's important to God's purpose in your life, then pray and keep on praying and don't stop. Jesus said, keep on asking. And keep on knocking and keep on seeking, and the door will be open to you and you will find and you will get the answer that you're looking that you need. One day Jesus told a story that to show that they should always pray and never give up, and then he goes on to tell a parable about persevering in prayer. And so often when it comes to prayer, we give up too soon. We give up way too quickly, we pray for a bit, we get discouraged, then we stop, but Jesus taught us to value persevering in prayer. Keep praying, and we don't know this for sure, but I think it's an educated guess to say that Jesus was praying about his journey to the cross right from the beginning and all the way through, and he was persevering in prayer over these aspects of his leadership and his calling. Before embarking on his life's greatest challenge, Jesus prayed the night before Jesus went to the cross. He spent the entire night in prayer. He took his disciples to the Mount of Olives. It was a garden just outside the city of Jerusalem. He knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering from me, yet I want not not my will, but yours to be done. And he prayed fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. Jesus prayed when he was on the cross. He asked God to forgive those who were persecuting him and who were torturing him and who were crucifying him. And then Jesus' life ended as Jesus' ministry began with prayer. He prayed, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus, as the Son of God, needed to pray in all of these situations, how much more should prayer be a part of every aspect of your leadership? I wanna give us a few action steps. How do we do this? We, you know, how do, how, and One of the things I wanna challenge us is to shift our mindset about how we think about prayer. Think of yourself as a leader with a purpose and a calling that God has given to you. And that will start to shift your mindset about what prayer looks like in your life. But I also think we need to shift our mindset and, be, and start to view ourselves more like missionaries. So if you're a missionary and you go to another country, what do you do before you leave? Well, you make sure to secure prayer support before you go. And you get a list of people who are praying for your purpose and your calling and your leadership and your ministry that you'll be doing in that other country. We live in Medicine Hat and we have a purpose and a calling and we need to start to view ourselves as missionaries in this place, as leaders in this place. And to do that, we need a prayer team. We need a team of people that are, are, we're gathering around us to pray for us and pray with us and pray into the calling and purpose that God has given us for our life. Without that, our ministry and our leadership lacks power. And I really believe if we could shift our mindset and start to view ourselves as leaders and start to view ourselves as missionaries and start to say, you know, I need at least three people who are praying for me. Here's my challenge for you. Find three people who are willing to pray for you and pray regularly for you and pray for your purpose and pray for your calling and pray for the direction God has over your life. And that purpose might be as simple as, you know, I'm raising my kids. Just pray for me as I'm raising my kids. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leading up in my office. Pray for me as I'm leading up in my office. And find those three people who are willing to pray for you, and then once a week or once a month, just send them an update. Hey, this is how I'm doing. Thanks for praying for me. Here's the things that I need you to pray for me about this week or this month. And maybe they will ask you back and say, you know, can I get you to pray for me? And so maybe you start praying for each other, and maybe you have three people that you're praying for and They're each praying for you. And wouldn't it be amazing if we all started asking for three people to pray for us and all of us were praying for each other and some of us had five or six or eight people on our prayer list and we're praying for them and we're praying for their leadership and their purpose and their calling here in Medicine Hat, don't you think that God would honor that and start to do some amazing things in this city as we started to pray for each other? My challenge for you is find three people that will be your prayer base, who will pray for you and lay their lives down on the line in prayer for you. Don't assume people are praying for you if you have not asked them to. You can assume people in your small group are praying, but ask them intentionally, specifically. Here's my calling, here's my purpose, I need you to pray. Recruit a prayer team for yourself. If you have a family, you should have a prayer base of people who are praying for your family. Get a prayer base of people that are praying for your family and for the purpose of raising your kids to honor God and love God and follow Jesus. If you own a company or you're a manager or a business leader or a professional leader, you should have a prayer base of at least 10 people praying for your company or for your work or for your career. Because it's all kingdom work. It's all kingdom work. If God blesses your business, if God blesses your work, if God blesses your company that you work for, then ultimately that blessing benefits the kingdom as well. And God wants to bless it. And so invite him in and start to build a prayer base that's praying over you and praying over your business and praying over your company and praying over your leadership. Have you built a prayer base that can support your future calling? Have you built a prayer base that can support your future calling? Do you have a prayer base that can match the level of challenge that you are going to face as a leader in the next 12 months? Do you have a prayer base that's going to help you to face the level of challenge that's gonna be in your life over the next 12 months? And is your life modeling prayer Are you teaching prayer to your friends and people around you? Are you teaching prayer to your children and grandchildren? I want to invite the worship team to come up. They're going to lead us in communion. And Pastor Mike's going to come and lead us in communion. But as we close this first talk about leadership and Jesus in leadership, what we learn about leadership from Jesus is pray always. When you have a big vision, pray. When you have a large challenge ahead of you, pray. When you need to make a decision, pray. When you need to be prepared to handle unforeseen circumstances, pray. When, you, when people that you lead are discouraged, pray. When people that you lead are disorganized, pray. When you, those you lead are hurting, pray. If you wanna expand your vision, pray and get others praying. If you want to expand your ministry, build a prayer base. It's the first way that Jesus changed the world.